Hello and welcome to Not Bane Podcast, your weekly rundown of UK politics from a Black millennial view. Every week, join me, Bay, and Corey as we look at Parliament and stories from across the diaspora. Welcome back. This show we have been off for a couple of weeks. Uh, Parliament was off for a couple of weeks, so that's part of the reason we were off. It was also conference season. I mean, we weren't at conference, but it was because Parliament was off because conference season anyway. And we also had a little week's reset because we have a new schedule. We are now going to be coming out every Wednesday as opposed to Sundays. So change your diaries, change your reminders, change your alerts. The show will be now coming out every Wednesday from this week, the 3rd of November. Um, it's weird, we actually took the break and it was Black History Month. Um, I feel like we should have had a extra effort in Black History Month, but... <laughs> You know, given the Every title. month is Black History Month in my life. So you know. Yes, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So what are we discussing today? Today we are discussing some big things that have been happening. First, we're discussing COP26, which is the climate summit put on by the United Nations happening in the great city of Glasgow in scotland so uh world leaders are fly- well some world leaders are flying in from all around the world our own fair leader is taking that lovely short haul flight from london to glasgow for the climate summit rather than taking the eco-friendly train um and then we'll be talking about rishi sunak's budget for 2021 which is going to be very very interesting to talk about the multi-millionaire billionaire decisions for the general public in the United Kingdom, of which the average salary is £36,000 a year. And then for across the pond, I will be talking about the coup in Sudan and what is going on over there. So let's go. So let's go. First, we're moving On to COP26, the climate conference that's taking place in Glasgow. World leaders from around the world are flying over to the United Kingdom today and yesterday in the past few days. We've got Boris there. We've got Biden. We've got um, Jamaica. So Andrew Holness. We've got Mia Motley, which is soon to be the Republic of Barbados, who's made a speech that you guys will be hearing as well. Um, You know, countries from all over the world are here to talk about climate change and the um, decisions that they need to be making, the changes that they're going to need to be making, the drastic changes that they're going to need to make in terms of infrastructure, support for poorer countries, support for countries that are um, surrounded by water, all of those sort of things. And it's really going to be about making the tough decisions and going back to your um, countries, to your populace and telling them, look, these are the things that we need to do in order to protect um, future generations or even our current generations from a two a one to 2% rise in temperature because a one to 2% rise in temperature across the globe could eventually be catastrophic. And there are talks about, you know, rising um, water levels by 2100, which could see, you know, the UK underwater. Obviously this is, everybody's got their different projections, 
but you know we all know that we're on the edge of a climate crisis well that's the agreement is that we're on the edge of a climate crisis and we should be taking steps that are outside of just the individual choices of recycling and using paper straws and you know making more eco-conscious um, choices with regards to clothing what are large corporations doing what um parameters are being set by international governments with regards to corporations and their behavior this can be seen as reflected in last week with all the drama with regards to uh raw sewage being allowed to be leaked into our rivers and canals and seas in the united kingdom and now that was just voted through it's a case that as juxtaposed with the fact that we're just we're about to host cop 26 it sort of shows well what really does our government really care about the environment if we're letting water water companies leak raw sewage into our rivers and tributaries indeed i mean speaking of the private sector boris johnson in his introductory speech today when he opened the conference he he made a point of saying you know governments can deploy billions so he as a prime minister he as a leader can spend hundreds of billions but the the private sector the market can unleash trillions. Um, I, again, he was oh, so embarrassing. He is embarrassing. He's embarrassing. Like, he's giving this really serious speech and he just started waffling about James Bond and tying it to the fact that they're in Scotland and doomsday weapons in James Bond movies to this being a doomsday scenario and just trying to crack other jokes about he'll be 94 in 2060 and hey, he won't be in Downing Street. Ooh, maybe not. Or maybe. Oh, it was so cringe. The other thing was though, he made he was making good points. Again, he was making points about um, government spending, but also uh, business spending, private sector spending. He was making good points about, yes, sort of being on the precipice of, of change. Change needs to be done and put in effect now or never he was making some really serious and good points but it's just the fact that it was him and the way he did it he's a clown i said that on the last show he's a clown and yeah he's a clown uh, anyway um so uh it, it's interesting what should we play that mia clip mia motley clip now absolutely we should play that clip and then we'll go from there so i asked to you what must we say to our people living on the front line in the Caribbean, in Africa, in Latin America, in the Pacific, when both ambition and regrettably some of the needed faces at Glasgow are not present? What excuse should we give for the failure? In the words of that Caribbean icon, Eddie Grant, will they mourn us on the front line? So that, that, I thought that was quite strong. That was yeah, a very, that was, yeah, that was pretty on. And I thought that the, the most ballsy part of that was basically calling out people who weren't there. Most notably, the Chinese president, President Xi, is not Xi there. Is not um, the Australian prime minister decided, changed his mind at the last minute to turn up. So he wasn't going to be there either. It's a wild thing to do because Australia is a very uh, diverse um ecosystem a very delicate mm -hmm. ecosystem and an island yeah <laughs> um, wild. yeah 
so Australia are a bit of an outlier when it comes to you know quote unquote developed countries. They're the, they're probably the one, apart from China, um, and okay, and apart from India, okay, the West. Let's say the West or the Western countries mm-hmm. of the, of the sort of you know Western nations. They're a bit of an outlier because they have so much coal. So it's like, look, if you ask them to get you know asking asking Britain to get rid of coal, okay, that's easy, just easy. I mean, basically already done that. But asking Australia to get rid of coal, which is like the most, which is the worst of the fossil fuels, you know, when it comes to natural gas, oil and coal, coal's the worst in terms of how much the, the, the you know, how much it pollutes. So they're a bit of an outlier. And that's why, you know, he, he almost didn't turn up because, you know, they are not the most, um, let's say, cop friendly nation of the mm-hmm. Western countries. Um, so, so she, yeah, it was a bit of a shot across the bow. You know, for Considering a- they're a country which seems to experience the plagues on a regular basis I mean maybe it's because they're so used to just wayward weather and wayward wildlife that they're not afraid that they can't that they can weather the storm maybe better than the rest of us well I mean she she, I think though she speaks for a lot of countries like Barbados you know islands especially islands especially small islands Mm -hmm. especially countries that you know are not the richest don't have um and and who who have a lot of people who live on coasts yeah. Um, you know, she was you could tell that she was she was feeling that and and I guess she was channeling a lot of other leaders and because I'm sure not every like this there are there's dozens well scores of world leaders who were there. There's a lot of them in one place. Anyway, so I'm sure they're not all gonna speak. So I'm sure she speaks for a lot of the say smaller nations who probably won't get up and have a spot on the microphone or or a major speaking slot um to to, to speak. But also she um the, you know the a big, a big, one of the biggest, well, one of the big subjects about all the talk around COP26. And just for those who don't know, COP stands for Conference of the Parties. So it's an annual conference that takes place every year because it's annual, which is what I just said, right? Yeah, annual. Mm-hmm. Um, it's happened for the past 26 years, starting in 1995, mm-hmm. hence why it's called this year's COP26. And it's, um, you know, it's sort of spearheaded out of the UN. You have all the global leaders coming together every year, especially every five years. So this is called a big cop, whereas they have cop every year, but every five years, like they call it big cop. Yeah. Mm. Um, So, yeah. So so going back to what I was saying anyway, around this cop, there's a big discussion about, you know, the the developed countries and developing countries. And you hit to, to give them credit. Of course, it's words. You know, it needs to be backed up by action. But uh, Boris's speech, as I was meant, refer- referencing before, and you'll, you'll hear other leaders of rich nations making similar comments, seem to be quite cognizant of the fact that they, number one, have benefited the most from burning fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. And secondly... Industrialisation, indeed, essentially. A massive head start. Boris Johnson, basically, he, he referencing the fact that we're in Glasgow, referencing the fact that you know part of the industrial revolution started in glasgow 250 years ago and he was like for the first 200 years we didn't really know it was it was that bad so you know they've had a massive head start they're recognizing that and as a result of that they there's a lot of talk from from them of you know um putting their money where their mouth is and yeah. you know this this fund of 100 billion pounds every year which is supposed to be distributed to poorer nations um both to counteract the effects of climate change and i guess almost paying them to not use fossil fuels and you know instead of burning oil here's a few billion mm. that I kind think, of thing 
what's so, important to point out just to um back that up actually is that the un agency the intergovernmental panel on climate change actually produced a report prior to cop 26 to say that you know it is paramount that these larger com countries um contribute to supporting lesser developed countries smaller countries to be able to meet those targets and it was um also it was revealed that Switzerland and Australia were doubting parts of the report and were basically pushing back on the idea of offering financial support. But realistically, really? yeah, realistically, in order to achieve emissions um, reductions, um, richer countries are going to have to pay other countries to develop in different ways. But I think it's also important to point out that because there's been the industrial revolution here and with the stage that we are in the industrial revolution where it's tech and AI, there are a lot of things that actually can be missed out. You don't, there's steps. You don't need to build, you know, a million um, phone wires or a million wired um, road lights anymore. You can start straight with building your first, the first lights on the road that you build can actually be eco-friendly lights because you don't need to meet, go through those other steps first because of the industrial revolutions in other countries, that technology is now there to jump straight to the e some eco-friendly options at least. So we're encouraging and we maybe we fund the choice of the eco-friendly options and that's how we do it. So it's not just, you know, we're paying you not to, to um, burn fossil fuels, we're paying you to choose it, to be able to afford the eco-friendly options because they often are more expensive as we're building the technology. Yeah. That is, I think, what we need to be the folk needs to be the focus you know when we know when we go to the caribbean you can see that in places where they are building new roads and etc yes they are building still tarmac roads in hot countries which you know then get sticky but they are lit by solar panel lights mm. along the whole roads it just needs to be accessible everywhere and not you know only on some new places with a 20 dollar toll well so the indian prime minister Modi, he made a similar. He's made a similar comment, and he's 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 really pushing back against sort of this, um, I guess, prodding from the richer nations to to for 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 other nations to rely less on fossil fuels. And his his point basically is this: Well, no, we're not rushing to net net zero. We're not rushing um, because it's all well and good for you lot who have had it for two hundred years. So no, it's our time now. You and should he's, cut he's it down. Very much, he's not wrong. He's very much on that. Like so, and he's not going to be. India's not going to be the only country like that. You know, I guess look at look at uh, nations. Let's for say for example, um, West of Africa and Nigeria. Nigeria sat on a lot of oil. For you to turn around to Nigeria and say, okay, you can't use it. Stop drilling. Again, they're going to have a similar attitude to Modi. Well, um, no, nah, you first. <laughs> Uh, you first, and and I guess this whole hundred billion a year fund to to give to to these countries, I guess, is a way of saying, okay, cool, us first, but you too. But here's some money to rush it along for you as well. Yeah, I hear that, and I'm gonna float something that's controversial, but you know, why not? This is what we're here for. Nuclear might really be the alternative to um, fossil fuels because. Yeah. The amount of um, energy that we can produce um, using nuclear would mean that everything, we wouldn't need to use anything else. We would only use nuclear energy. And yes, it's um, in terms of uh, the waste product is mm. a large scale um, 
job and it does need to be stored for a hundred years but the amount of energy that, More than that. Get, yeah but i mean but you know what i mean but the amount of energy that we get in return for the use of the new it's like the 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 uh yeah. the cost benefit analysis it the benefit mm. outweighs the cost immensely every could essentially stop with all other forms of energy usage whatsoever and only rely on nuclear energy you know i mean but then obviously the stuff that happened with uh, chernobyl which then was has beautifully been recreated so recently in the tv show definitely is not going to make anybody even slightly want to consider it but i think real realistically considering we are not like let's be real that energy consumption is not going to get less it's going to get more what is a realistic way of dealing with this that doesn't include us you know destabilizing the core of the earth and, it, and increasing sea levels because will nuclear won't be increasing the um te the uh, general temperature of the earth if we if we decide to do that but i don't think that we will unfortunately last wednesday the chancellor of the exchequer rishi sunak mp delivered uh, a budget delivered budget to the house and um there are, there weren't many proverbial rabbits out of the hat this time i don't think um but but straight in what did you think of the budget i mean i've been listening to budget analysis i would say all week but today's monday <laughs> but i've been listening to budget analysis for the past few days so you should be the fount of all knowledge i don't know if it's about fount or font of all knowledge mostly because it's so much numbers and percentages and it was were you struggling to add up <laughs> no it's just um like you say there was nothing that i think realistically because this government basically leaks all their information about what's going to be coming up in the week before and you know so nothing is new there's no new surprises it was sort of the uplift they're getting rid of the uplift like they had said um, with regards to, to the uplift, yeah, I'm about to explain the uplift to universal credit says they are still getting rid of that, but they are reducing the um, the taper rate, so it will be cut by eight percent. So it will be bring it down, bring it down from sixty three percent to fifty five percent. So with regards to how much you earn and how much tax you pay or not, that so the how they weigh up who is eligible for universal credit and how much um, in-work credits, uh, credit and benefit they're uh, allowed to get will change, will be reduced by 8%. So, so question. Yes. Does, so that, just, does, that re does that replace the 20 pounds? No. No, that wasn't what I was going to ask. Just, uh, just okay. to make it simple for me, because, you know, I'm a simple guy. So just to make it simple for me. Mm -hmm. Does that basically mean then that as a working person who's also in rece in receipt of universal credit, mm -hmm. is are you going to be better off? No. You're going to be worse off? Yes. Even though they've changed the tapering limit? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. But because you'll be, but you'll be worse off because of the increases in tax. Right. No. So, okay. So just isolated. In terms oh, isolated. Of I mean, I mean. It's okay. You can say something good about the government. Just, just no, no, just no. I don't. I don't know. If I'm being honest, I okay, don't okay. like because I don't have a specific number. But you know, right, right, you'll, right. I don't think you'll be. Uh, you won't be better off, but you won't be worse off. You'll be 
give or take the same depending so on how much money yeah you won't but then feed, once you factor but because in but now you factor in the cost the national insurance hike which is not a 1.3 percent hike as everybody keeps saying it's going up 1.3 percentage points mm, but so it's actually 12 yes, percent which obviously. is actually like a yeah it was actually like a 12 percent depending mm. again depending on how much uh tax you pay yeah so because of all the the increases in tax and the national insurance increase mm. It will make no difference. But there is a national living wage increase by 6.6% to 9.50 an hour. Again, that's the national living wage. Um, obviously not in London because the national living wage in London is 10.55, I believe. But the out of is London, it? yes, it is, yeah. But the, nas- the nas- so that's the London living wage, but the national living wage will be increased. Yeah, yeah going up to £9.50 an hour from, going up to April, £9. from next April. Well, how much was it before that? Uh, the living wage before was... No, that's a living wage. You mean the actual minimum wage? No. The minimum wage, it was... Because the living uh, wage... The minimum wage is still the minimum wage. No, 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 no. The living wage... Well, the living wage and the minimum wage. The, gov- the government are great because they've, they've changed minimum wage and they're calling it living wage, even though it's... No, they haven't. No, no, no. There's, minimum, there's a minimum wage and the living wage is how much companies are supposed to pay you in order to pay you enough money to live on if you worked uh, 40 hours a week no 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 but what what i'm saying is what this gov- what the government does is they uh um, no one's ob- like you're legally the minimum required. wage they call the minimum wage the living wage no they don't they, no they do no they, they Be- do <laughs> no because they, no because the companies are not legally obligated to pay you a living wage no, they're obligated to pay the minimum wage. Yeah. But I'm saying the government... Anyway, anyway, to answer oh, the question... Oh, so they're saying... So when they're saying... but No, but if they're saying the living wage, they're increasing the living wage. They're not increasing the minimum wage. The minimum wage is still the same, which is 750 No, no, no. Listen, all right, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. You are the minimum com- wage... Mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm. no. The government mm-hmm. call... When the government say living wage, they are using that to refer to the minimum wage. They don't use the word minimum wage anymore. They call it the living wage. I know that it's not technically actually the living wage, according to the living wage foundations and people who say this is how much you need to live on. But when the government talk about the minimum wage, they, they say living wage. But basically, they mean the minimum wage. They just call it the same thing for marketing. It's just for fluff. It's so it can sound better. Anyway, to answer the question, it's £8.91. So it's going up from £8.91 to £9.50. Okay. In April. Well, that was a very convoluted. Yes. Anyway, let's, back to let's, the budget. Yes. Back to the budget. Back. So, um, the budget. so, as you referred to, so increases in tax, obviously, national. Yes. So that was a tax. Up, yes. Massive spending. Mm-hmm. So, my friend, my friend Henry, who uh, right, who's an editor at Conservative Home. I I'm gonna link this in the show notes. Oh, nice little. It was a nice read. Um, he he, and I guess echoing other conservatives. Um, you know. There's this sort of, um, how do I put it, balking um, at the fact that you have a conservative chancellor. So much taxes. So many taxes. Raising taxes and also, you know, spending like crazy, which yeah. two things which you wouldn't associate with a conservative But chancellor. I think it's really interesting. I heard was listening to some analysis today that actually um, put forth that this is also part of really the realigning of the um, the electorate of which the Conservatives won, collected through Brexit, and is mm. trying to keep. So they're trying to keep the red wall, which is generally in favour of um, more spending. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they're also, you know, have inherited the through the first UKIP, then pro-Brexit, now conservative voters, a lot of people who are on earn a lower wage yeah. and so need to be brought up to either meet the to meet the um financial um parameters that are generally considered for conservative voters one or two to feel like them voting for a conservative government hasn't negatively affected their pay pack their their um packets on a day-to-day and especially as the cost of living is rising exponentially at the moment and it's also yeah. to try and to um to essentially plug the hole that brexit has left because we are dealing with a drop in national um standards because of um brexit with regards to even how much money we have where the money is going especially to underfunded areas and coastal towns so the government is trying to make it to make sure that the the places that voted specifically for this don't feel it because otherwise they're going to be wondering what was going on. We were sold that this is going to be, we're going to be the land of milk and honey. And currently that is not happening. You know, petrol, let's, let's talk about, you know, living the cost of petrol. Everyone who drives knows it's gone up to an exorbitant amount. The Mm. cost of food is going up. The cost of transport is going up. The cost of public transport is going up. The cost of, um, you know, cost of the taxis are going up. The cost of food is going up. Energy prices are about to, go insane and we're about to hit winter and next month they're going to be going up Uh, yeah you know but there's a theory though and i've seen this um well yeah there's a theory that he's sort of he's doing all of the he's front ending a lot of this now Mm -hmm. so that the tax cut in 2023 yeah you can cut so we can you know cut next year and then cut again the year after and then boom we're in a general you know because there's a lot of i think it's it's an open secret now that it's going to be general election in 2023 you know, if if all things stay as they are, Please so he's got two more budgets. Us. He's got two more budgets to basically sort of you know front end the hard stuff now. Mm-hmm. Even though he hasn't really, so he could have gone harder. Um, let, of, let's. But in terms of some of those right, you know, increases, he can then start to pull them back and be like, okay, and then go straight into a, an election saying that oh, we're look at this, all the things that we that, cut, even though you were the yeah. one that put them up. All right, let me right. just quickly cut. Um, go through the extra bit so we talked about taxation we talked about the economy no we didn't talk about the economy we talked about the uh foreign aid spending is still down it's going to be go up to about 0.7 percent if anybody cares apparently there's going to be wage growth i've not seen it but apparently wage growth is going to eventually go back to pre-covid levels um in the next couple of years about one to two years is the forecasted projections we'll see what happens um government spending i mean for those of you who care 1.7 billion of the leveling up fund is going to be invested in local areas so that's you know the the places like i don't know blackpool of course you don't know because they're most uh, of them are up north and you you're part of the metropolitan elite who doesn't who doesn't know the difference I mean, between I berry in, and burnley i mean i live in a very poor borough so no, I mean lots of the majority of the some of like poorest boroughs in England are in London. So let's not go there. Um, there's going to be six billion of funding to help tackle NHS backlogs. Core science funding is going to rise to five point nine billion a year. I don't know if this is when they've been talking about this new space program, which we've been hearing the odd rumor about this space program that they're talking about. Which no, we don't need to be spending money on that. No one care. Like we cannot live in space. Let's move on. 
Schools are going to get an extra 4.7 billion. We're moving on to education. And there's going to be a UK-wide numeracy program to help improve basic math skills among adults, which is a really good idea. Ooh. I don't know what's happening with regards to that um, scheme that was talked about during COVID, where they're going to be offering free A-levels for people who haven't got any. Oh, that really? has that was announced and then it was never sort of well, up again. There's government for you. Yeah, uh, for people who like to take uh, national flights, flights between UK nations, there's going to be a low, a newer, lower rate for air passenger duty. <laughs> right for some reason, encouraging, yeah, encouraging <laughs> short haul flights right before the, you know, international climate conference seems excellent. Uh, there's going to be a new long haul uh, band for air passenger duty for flights over 5,500 miles. So I'm not sure where that would be too. Well, Australia. So that's going to oh. make what? Flights going that far more expensive? They haven't said a how new, much. They just well, said it's going to be a new band. Be a new band. They have not a said it's going to cost band. more or less. But if, if you're right. saying it's Australia and those sort of places, it's likely well, it might be. Yeah. I suppose it would be also miles. Asia as well. Five and a half thousand miles west coast of America. If you're going to say well, California, that's mm. probably about five thousand miles. But I mean, considering we've got the can the Kanzuk. The can the Kanazuk. Alcus, you mean Alcus? Alcus, yeah. As soon as we've got the Alcus. <laughs> I know that's wow. something. I mean, Anzac. You're thinking of Anzac. No, I'm that's... thinking of Kanzuk. I don't know what that Because is. Canada, anyway. New Zealand, UK. I don't know what that's for, but Kanzuk is something. Okay. Um, yeah, no, the ALSAC, but considering the ALSAC agreement, you know, it might be missing out a few countries in order just to encourage um, tourism between us and them. There's a planned rise on spirits, wine, cider and beer, which has now been cancelled, which, you know, yay for us. Sparkling wines will be, uh, I mean, no one cares about this stuff, really. Beer duty. Yeah, yeah beer duties. It's always interesting when they say like, oh, it's oh, a pint of beer is going to be X pence cheaper. I'm like, but I buy bottles of Peroni. Anyway, maybe that's just me being a northern mm, metropolitan I was going to say it's sounding very metropolitan elite to me, Mister. Yeah. I buy Peronis. Yeah, like you know, it's mm. three thirty mil bottles. Anyway, yeah, continue. exactly. Um, there's two twenty four billion earmarked for housing, with eleven point five billion specifically for building up to one hundred and eighty thousand affordable homes in brownfield sites uh, across the country. There's now a 4% levy that we place on property developers with profits over 25 million to help create a 5 billion fund to remove unsafe cladding. But they're still not talking about ensuring that all the buildings with unsafe cladding are going to be sorted out and that the people who bought them prior to them knowing that they were unsafe won't be the people who are having to foot the cost, which is pushing people into bankruptcy. That, that still is not, they're basically brushing that under the, rug and trying not to talk about it so that is our budget roundup and that was my peroni will be cheaper though my pint, my 330 mil of peroni will be cheaper but because Absolutely. they're talking about pints and i use milliliters i, I don't know yeah. how much that i mean convert. unless you're, you're buying you're buying the big bottles i'm not sure and how it, it's going to convert and it depends wise. also how they're if they're talking about pints in the actual sense which is 463 milliliters or if they're talking oh, really? about pints yeah. in just now the 500 milliliters which is basically what but Oh, well, uh, my Peronis should be cheaper, at least. Anyway. Yeah, because I don't technically, know how many pens, but... an actual pint in the yieldy English measurement, you know, pre-metric, is uh, 463. But technically, okay. now they class a pint as um, 500, 500 mil. mil. But that's I not mean, a pint that, at all. That that's, helps. That, that just it does it help. It does help, but that's not a pint. 
Mm, a pint is an actual measurement. Do you know what I mean? It's not a word. Yeah. A pint is a measurement, and five hundred mil and a pint are two completely different measurements. You know, I think that's a fun little uh, fact to end this segment on. <laughs> For the final section, we are going. Well, we're not going across the pond. We're going down to Africa this week, and uh, you're going to be telling us about what's happening right now in Sudan. So, I don't know if anybody knows, as a brief overview, the former leader of Sudan, Omar al-Bashir, was overthrown in, um, it was a civilian and military agreement to get rid of Omar al-Bashir in 2019, and it was, um, they put in a temporary government with a, a view to moving towards democracy and maintain like having a more democratic system however this has been um you know fractious for since 2019 and there's been a number of coup attempts but now a this is a military coup that has taken place um it has obviously been met by protests on the streets it's met, been met by um condemnations from the international community uh, the coup leader, who's General Abdel Fattah Burhan, has dissolved civilian rule um, completely, arrested political leaders and uh, set up a state of emergency. Um, he has said it was justified to avoid civil war based on what nobody's really sure. He's detained the prime minister and his now, who is now under um, house arrest. And he has said the reason that he's doing it is for because of political infighting it's obviously just you know, a grab for power and mm. the hope is that as long as you can keep the international um militaries at bay keep the un at bay for long enough eventually they will accept it just for ease of passage you know well he's got the prime minister at his house now mm. this is a new update um, well so, yeah that's so must be the most recent one i'm not yeah so i'm, he's, I'm, so I'm not live so the now deposed prime minister is now staying at this gen. The general says he has him at living actually at his house. Oh, no. so he's a prisoner. No, he's his guest. That's how he's for he's he's phrasing it as he's his guest. Uh, yes, it's for at, his own safety. Uh, yes, and, indeed, know. for his own safety, not at his, his Majesty's pleasure, but his uh, generalship's pleasure. Yes. So, um, central bank staff have gone on strike. The doctors are on. Um, strike as well and they're refusing to work in any military hospitals unless it's an emergency so many uh, civilian leaders and military leaders have been you know at either end of the spectrum in terms of how they think the country should be run and have been um in opposition since the deposition of the the former leader but there has been sort of you know a tenuous peace between the two in an attempt to run the country together with a view to you know having democratic elections and democratic um, parties and free and fair elections, but obviously this has broken down. I'm not sure why, in any case, the military would think that they need to jump in to rule a country rather than sitting down with the um, courts and deciding. You know, you have a constitutional, having a rough constitution, and deciding what the next step would be. And currently, troops have been opening fire on demonstrators, and that was as early as today, this morning. They're and they shut the internet. Shut off the internet. Uh, phone lines have been disrupted, um, and protesters have been wounded, and some um, from protesting outside of the military headquarters. Obviously, um, the United States, the UK, the EU, the UN, and the United the African Union, which Sudan is a member of have been demanding the release of all the political leaders who are under house arrest and also the uh, 
former prime minister and his wife as well as the government who are all currently under house arrest or have you said at who are guests uh-huh. of general at the moment it is looking pretty dire and you know sudan has been in turmoil not just there because obviously there was the um breakup of sudan and south sudan as well so there mm-hmm. has been a lot of t- turmoil for decades now and what looked like potentially a pathway to democracy is now met a very high speed bump and I honestly I can't really see how this is going to end smoothly unless the military is you know it could just be a military uh, rule for the next how long realistically well well, there's a history I mean there's been a like recent history of Sudan has been a lot of a lot of that time has been um military rule so Mm. you know the military are used to ruling into that so yeah that's that's why there's been so much um, back and forth between them both, and probably why the general f- thought or felt like, well, why shouldn't I step in? Essentially, what is this about dem- democracy? Bun all of that. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NotBainPod. And if you're listening on iTunes and you enjoyed what you heard, rate us five stars. It helps us get up the rankings. If you didn't enjoy it, ignore everything I just said.